You're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. For more sermons or information about our church, please visit ktnnaz.org or like Ketchikan Naz on Facebook. And we talk to you guys about that too, because um, Jesus said very clearly that children have a very special place in the kingdom of God. Um, he says that all who come to him uh, can be received by him. Now, how many of you guys have done something your parents told you not to do? Right? All of your hands should be raising. Okay? <laughs> the parents are laughing because they know. Did you know that I did things that I wasn't supposed to do either? Hi, I'm a pastor, and I've done things I haven't or I shouldn't have done. Um, I, uh, when we do things that we're not supposed to do, the Bible calls that sin. Um, it means that we've broken God's heart because he wants so much more for us than the bad things that we do. Yeah, have you ever guys seen a really bright and shiny penny? Yeah? Okay. I don't actually have one in front of me today, so just close your eyes and picture that, okay? Um, nice, bright, shiny penny, brand new, okay? Now look at these pennies. Are they bright and shiny? Some of you need glasses, parents. Okay. Um, I got squinting children here. Um, these are dirty pennies, right? In fact... The date on this penny is 1980. Were any of you alive in 1980? Was I alive in 1980? Maybe, yes. No, no, I wasn't, actually. Um, How about 1981? Was I alive in 1981? No, no, I wasn't. Um, I don't... (laughs) So so these pennies predate me. These pennies are older than me. Um, Wow, thank you. Um, Right. Um, and they're and they're dirty. Um, stuff has happened to these pennies. Maybe they've been on the streets. Maybe um, they've been at the bottom of a fish tank. Maybe um, a bird pooped on one of them at some point. <laughs> Regardless, these pennies are no longer shiny, um, and they're kind of like our lives. You know, over time we do things that kind of make us not so shiny anymore. It's the sin that makes us look like these little dirty pennies. But the good news is, God says that we can become shiny again. God says that we can become new in him. And I want to read you a scripture verse. I'm going to read it to your parents later, but I'm going to read it to you now. Um, And it says this. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, meaning the old has passed away. The dirty penny goes away and a shiny one comes about. And it's all from God. You can't do it, but God can do it. And he did it by taking your sins on his body and dying on the cross and rising again. And so I want to do a little experiment, okay? This cup represents you, okay? Okay, right? We put a penny in in you. And that's your attempt to try and make yourself shiny, okay? This cup represents God. It looks a little weird, doesn't it? But we're going to see what happens, okay? We're going to swirl it around, and we're going to let that sit, okay? And we're going to let that sit for a couple minutes. And at the very beginning of the sermon that I do for the parents, I'm going to pull those pennies out, and we're going to see what happens, Okay? But they need to sit for a little bit because sometimes with God you pray and then he works on your life. How many of you have loved God? Yeah? All the hands are being raised. Some people still need glasses. Um, (laughs) All right. How many of you guys know Jesus is in your heart? How many of you guys are not sure? That's okay too. Yeah, that's okay too. I have one. You have a heart? That's really good. I have a heart, too. How many of you have a heart? All right, that's really good, because that's where Jesus wants to live. So this morning, 
It has two sides. Okay, that's good. <laughs> and a point that might not be so good. <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to do. While we're letting this sit, while we're letting God work on this penny and you work on this penny, we're going to pray, okay? And then I'm going to read a scripture for your parents, and then we're going to check on these pennies, all right? And I know you guys are curious. I'm curious, too. I really hope it works. So why don't we go ahead and pray? And I'm going to pray, and if any one of you wants to pray with me, you can, okay? We're going to pray this way. Dear Jesus, thank you for today, and thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, and thank you for loving me, and thank you that I can have a new life in you. Help me love you all the days of my life. Help me follow you and help me tell others about you. And please help me. Well, just help me love you, Father, because you're a good God. And I thank you for all that you've done for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know you wanted to pray. All right. You all may have a seat. I've got like three minutes left on these pennies, okay? So, just so that you know, I'm not doing anything trickery-related. I'm going to leave them right here, okay? There's no pennies. Oh, wait, I forgot the most important part. Kids, come back. I want everybody to have a penny, okay? So, everybody stick your hand out, okay? I got shining. Okay? Some of your pennies look dirtier than others. That's... I was alive in 1997. Oh, uh-oh, penny on the floor. That's okay. There we go. Okay, who needs a penny? 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 You need two? Penny? Penny? All right. Penny, 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 penny for your thoughts? I think I have the... Penny? 1968. I was... 1968, wow. All right, everybody got a penny? All right. Okay, so you hold on to those pennies, and you look at those pennies, because most of them, I think all of them, look like the pennies we dropped in these two waters, okay? And when I take that penny out, I want us to compare what those pennies look like, clean versus dirty. <laughs> okay, um, as we're sitting on those pennies... I want to talk to everyone about this new life that we have possible through Jesus. But first, I want to talk a little bit about culture, about the world that we live in. Again, you know my brain is not here because I'm just so excited about the gospel. Can I have two people to help me real quick? To anybody, two people, it doesn't matter. I got bulletins for the kids. I didn't even think about that. So there's excitingness right there. Um, did you know that culture has an obsession? A big obsession, and we don't even realize it, but the world that we live in is obsessed with eternal life. You guys ever go to um, the beauty counter at whatever store, and they have anti-aging cream and cellulite regenerating all kinds of fancy things that you see on ads on TV? Um, There's all kinds of products out there to help you live longer, right? You drink health drinks to make you live longer. You, um, you eat healthy food so that you can have a longer life. Did you know that movies 
movies always talk about eternal life. Just about every movie that culture puts out has some sort of theme with everlasting life. For example, have any of you seen Tuck Everlasting? That's a Disney movie. I've not seen it. But um, Wikipedia says this. A girl runs away from her home. Not good, children. Okay, don't run away from your home. A girl runs away from her home and finds a family living in the woods, and they have the secret fountain of life. And she has to decide, does she stay the way she is, or does she drink from this fountain of life and live forever? What about Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade? He searches for the Holy Grail, right? Which has the ability to heal any wound and restore to full life. Okay? Vampire anything. Okay? I won't even go there. Just vampire everything has to do with this theme of living forever. Cocoon. Anyone remember that movie? Right? That was a weird movie, but really interesting. This idea that aliens were on Earth and they needed help to get back home, waiting for their mothership to come back. They made these cocoons, okay, and they put them in a pool. Really weird, okay? Um, But the water that they were in in this pool had regenerating effects. So at this retirement facility where this pool was, the people who got in started having cures of arthritis, and they were feeling better and stronger. And they were asked to keep a secret, these cocoons, so the aliens weren't found out. It's really weird on a Sunday morning to talk about aliens. Um, But when the mothership came back, the aliens said, thank you for your help. Would you like to come back to our planet where there's no pain, no suffering, no sorrow, no tears? You'll live forever. That sounds like revelation, folks. Um, There's a theme like that. Um, On TV right now, there's a show called Resurrection on ABC. They can't get any more blatantly obvious than the title. It deals with the fact that People are coming back from the dead, not in zombie-like fashion, but like in the way in which they were before they died, they come back and they get a second chance at living life with their families. Now, my personal favorite, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Anybody? Okay, thank you. I got a few hands over here. I appreciate that. Um, It's a currently running TV show that works with the movies, um, which are all very good, that um, explore the idea of Superheroes, I'm, no plug there, I just, you know, I'm a nerd, so you now know that. Um, but there's a character called Agent Coulson, and he was literally killed by some sort of alien technology, and he was dead for days, and then they brought him back to life. Then Pirates of the Caribbean, right? I, yeah, I got some exciting hands over there. The pirates were cursed with this cursed gold, if I remember correctly, under the moonlight, they turned into skeletons, and they wanted out of this curse because their form of eternal life was not the one they wanted. And then there's all kinds of TV shows like The Walking Dead and Dead Like Me and Drop Dead Diva, anything with dead in its name has to do with this idea, okay? Um, Chronicles of Narnia was a movie. Voyage of the Dawn Treader deals with all of this kind of theme. The TV show Touched by an Angel, which I'd forgotten about until I was reminded Episodes of endless TV shows, even books today deal with this theme. Has any one of you read Heaven is for Real? Okay, deals with that theme, right? We're all hungry to know that perhaps there is more than just what we have right now. We're all hungry to know that there's confirmation that perhaps the suffering that we have will not go on forever, but that there's something better waiting for us. And so culture, TV 
broadcasting people, movie theater production companies know that. That's why these movies are successful. That's why they put all these things out, because they know that. We want to know if it's true. So they feed us all these little bits of information. Now, none of these things that I've talked about today have to do with theology. Right? None of these things are correct in theology. There is no, like, dead man's gold. There is none of these things. But they all hint at reality. All of these stories take the truth from Scripture and distort it and don't help us get anywhere. Many of these epics, and the rest that I didn't even mention, ask the question, how is eternal life achieved, and then fail to answer it accurately. The answer they give is, if you do enough good deeds, you will have eternal life. There's a scale, and if you do enough good, then you get to heaven. Well, that's not true. But maybe, maybe the answer is what they give, that if you give a life instead of yours, then you can have eternal life. A lot of these movies have to do with sacrifice. A sacrifice must be made so that you can have life. But usually it's very negative. Well, there's hints at truth in these things, but they are not gospel reality. While we are obsessed with this idea of new life, a chance to start over, a clean slate, a second chance, um, all culture can offer is a false pretense of what that looks like. You go to these movies and you enjoy them, right? I enjoy the Marvel movies. I love superheroes. But I walk away with no real answers for my spiritual well-being. The fact is that our lives will not have changed for seeing a movie, a TV show, or reading any book. The only book that offers life change is the Bible. When we read this, we get hope. This morning, we don't want the cursed gold from pirates. The grail from India is totally lost. Okay? The aliens from Cocoon are long gone. You get my point. There's no truth or substance in what culture has to offer. It only fuels the desire to keep searching. And the reality is you can't work hard enough in your life to get to heaven. You can't be good enough on your own to get to heaven. You can't earn enough money to buy yourself a second chance. Nothing you ever do will get yourself to heaven. You can't do it on your own. For all of culture's hopes and dreams, they have the big idea that new life is possible, but they miss the truth in where it's found. And so this morning, as we're going to turn to God's Word on Easter morning, we're going to be reading the original new life story, the original resurrection story, the one that everything else is based out of. But unlike all those movies and TV shows that offer you nothing this morning, God is going to offer you the ability to have new life with Him today. When you watch a movie, you leave and nothing changes. When you hear the Word of God, God works in your heart. And you can have the reality that life can be new again for you the moment that you walk out of these doors this morning. That your life will look different, better, more whole. You'll have more joy because of the new life found in Christ. So I want to read to you a scripture, and then we're going to check the pennies, and then we'll continue. Um, if you have your Bibles, this is found in Luke 24, verses 1 through 9. There should be Bibles under your uh, seats. If not, I have the verses on the, uh, on the screen as well. Luke 24, 1 through 9, reads this way. I guess 1 through 10. <clears throat> but on the first day of the week, at early dawn... 
they went to the tomb and they took the spices that they had prepared. And they found that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. But when they went inside, they didn't find the body of Jesus. And while they were very perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you go to a gravesite to find someone who's alive? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and to all of the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women who were with them who told these things to the apostles. See, here's the gospel in like six verses. Every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done things that have dirtied our pennies, right? We once were shiny and now we've chosen to do things that have broken God's heart and hurt ourselves and others. God calls those things sins. And sin in our relationship with God, um, it, it separates us from God. Um, it's our relationship with God becomes damaged. And in that, we have no way to fix ourselves. Something broken can't fix itself. We need help to be fixed. And God loved us even when we were sinning. So he sent Jesus, his son, to earth to live a perfect life because we couldn't. He lived sinlessly for us. And he healed people. He healed relationships. He brought hope to everyone that he encountered. And then he was unjustly arrested. And he was murdered on a cross and buried in the tomb that we heard about in this passage. And then on the third day, which is today, Easter, he rose from the dead. And in doing so, he gives us the ability to have new life. He forgives our sins and restores our relationship with God. So that it doesn't matter the things that we've said or done, the places that we've been and the relationships that have been damaged. None of that matters because God forgives that. He looks at you and says, I see perfect Jesus, and I love you, and you're made whole again. He gives us new life without strings. So let's look at these, um, let's look at these pennies. We'll start with you. Okay, children, this is the you. I was going to drink the water, but I thought better of it because of pennies in there. Does this penny look any different? No, it's just wetter, right? For a lot of trying, this penny's still gross and dark and covered in its own sin. Now, that wasn't very effective. You, on your own, can't, can't change things. Now, this is when I, as a pastor, hope science works for me. All right, let me get the other one back out. You can see the difference. One of these pennies got shiny. Ah, jaw drops. The dirt came off. It's cleaner. And that was just, what, six minutes? Six minutes and you got a little shiny penny. Because you and God, together, your faith and Jesus' works on the cross, take care of your sin. Makes you a new creation in Christ. Now, that's good news for us, right? And that's what we're talking about this morning. Thank you. Um, get rid of that. 
But how? How does that work? How does this gospel that we just read about, this new life in Christ, how is it possible? What about all of the things that I've done? And folks, let me tell you, even though I'm your pastor, there was a time when I wasn't a pastor. There was a time when I didn't know Jesus. Um, So there was a time that I lived for myself, and I did things that hurt people, and I broke relationships. I hurt my parents. I was a horrible teenager. I mean, like, downright terrible to the point that my parents kicked me out of the house. And I was like, fine, I'm leaving. Right? I'm not perfect, and I needed Jesus. We've all done things we shouldn't have done. So all of those things that I've done, how could I possibly still have a relationship with God? How could he look at me and go, yeah, I love you, and I'm going to forgive all of that? Um. Let me share with you a true story about a man. There once was a man who seemed like he had everything he could ever want in life. You know, you've heard of the guys that are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. This is this kind of guy. He was born into a really well-to-do family, and he grew up wanting for absolutely nothing. He attended only the best schools that money could afford. And he was not just well-educated, but he was naturally intelligent. He was the guy that you look at and go, why couldn't I be like that? Best family, best schools, all the best clothes, best money. He's even smart to boot. He ran in all the right social circles. He had the best friends. He went to the best country clubs. And from his early teens, he began to develop a relationship and a reputation. He had a strong personality. And he had a dedication to his goals He had friends of influence in the community through these country clubs that he went to. Political and religious leaders were his friends. And soon he developed a very good internship with a very powerful employer. So as he continued to grow and mature, he continued to succeed. He's just one of those people that you're like, come on, man, share a little bit of that with me. He worked diligently for his employer. And this was what his job was. His job was to seek out and arrest people whose beliefs contradicted his employer's beliefs. He took personal pride in his job for seeking out from society people upon people upon people and arresting them and then presiding over their executions to get rid of them and their opinions. He was a man you didn't want to cross. His influence and his intelligence and his authority were never questioned. And that's how he lived. The scope of the evil of his life's actions were immense. His name was feared wherever he went, wherever he was. And he knew it and he loved it. He loved finding people and having them murdered. That's not great. But one day, while he was on the road traveling to his next rounding them up to have them executed work, he was on his way to have a large group of people arrested. He had what he thought was an accident. But it wasn't a roadside accident. It was God. And from the moment that he met God, he was never the same. He quit his job that very week. 
He gave up all of the things that he had worked for. And he began to live a life directly opposite to the one that he had lived before. So much so that rather hunting down the people to arrest and execute them, he actually went and sought those people out and said, Will you forgive me? I really want to be your friend. I believe what you believe. I want to share my story with you, and I want to encourage you. That man's name was Saul. And after his roadside encounter with God, he changed his name because his whole life changed. He had a new life. And he changed his name to Paul. Paul later would call himself the worst sinner that ever walked the face of the planet. A chief of sinners. He was one who sought out people who loved God, who loved Jesus, and put them to death. Day in and day out. The God who he fought against so long was the God who reached down and said, Saul, I love you. And you've done some things that I don't agree with. In fact, they're downright hurtful and you've killed some people and that's not great. But I love you and I made you for so much more than what you're doing right now. And I want you to love me too. And I've already taken care of the hard work. I've forgiven your sins, even though you're still doing them. So all you need to do is just love me. Just a little bit of faith. Look my direction, Saul. And when Saul did, he was blinded. Because when you look at God like that, face to face, it changes you. You can't encounter God and not be changed. So Saul changed his name to Paul. And he had a new life in Christ. All of his sins forgiven. And he found so much more joy in his new life in Christ than he ever did in his old life killing people. He knew the joy and the value of this gift of new life. And he knew you couldn't earn it because for all of the things that he had done and all of the society influence and all of the money and all of the intellect and all of the education, it didn't get him anywhere except on a roadside accident with God. He wanted people to stop trying to be perfect. He simply wanted people to love Jesus. And then he went on to write several books that we would say are in the New Testament. He was a prolific author because God gave him a great intellect. And he had great religious training with the Pharisees. And then when he combined that with his faith in Jesus, he became a great apostle. One who wrote many books. And one of those books is 2 Corinthians. And I want to read to you what he wrote because this is his personal testimony. And it says this. Um, I'll read it to you from, and then we're going to dive into it little bit by little bit. I read it to your kids earlier. Therefore, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, and anyone means anyone, right? Let's try that again. If anyone means anyone, anyone, that means it doesn't matter what you've done. Paul killed God's people, and God loved him and called him to life with him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling to the world himself. He's not counting their trespasses against them. And then he entrusts to us the message of reconciliation. Guess what? If you believe in Christ, we are as his ambassadors. We're making an appeal for God. We implore you on behalf of Christ, 
Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made Christ who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And here's what this means. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Paul was speaking from experience, the worst of sinners, he called himself. And if God could love and save and forgive him and give him a second chance, a new life, then Paul said this, he could do it for anyone. I've done the worst that can be done. I have killed people in the name of religion. Directly opposed to God, I killed God's people. But God still loves me and he can love you. It doesn't matter your past, your present, what you've done or not done. It doesn't matter what you're doing this very moment. God loves you. And in Christ, having faith in Jesus' death on the cross for your sins and his resurrection, conquering death for all time, your old life can be forgiven and you can have a new life. You can be a new creation with new desires and new passions. You know, it doesn't mean that your habits are gone immediately, though. For some people, they believe in Christ, and immediately, their old sins are, they just have no problem. Take alcoholism, for for example. I know some people, immediately they believe in Christ, and they no longer struggle with it. Some people, though, they're an alcoholic, they come to faith in Christ, and they're still going to struggle with that. But God is with them and gives them the ability, surrounds them with other believers to encourage them. Sometimes... The habits go immediately. Sometimes they don't. It doesn't mean that God isn't with you, and it doesn't mean that he's not working with you. Your eternal situation has changed. That's the big one. Your eternal hope for life in Christ, that has changed. Your day-to-day circumstances, well, sometimes they're going to mean that you're going to have to walk in faith with Christ in a new life. You don't just then get a new outlook. You get a new life. Your new outlook, one, will motivate you and encourage you. But overall, regardless of what happens day in and day out, once you're a new creation, you have eternal hope that one day, when you pass away, you will be with Christ in heaven forever and ever. It's that place where there's no pain and no sorrow and no suffering and your bones don't ache and your hair doesn't fall out, okay? Um, It's the place where all things are restored and made new, That's what it means to be a new creation. It doesn't matter your past or your present. God offers you new life. Your sins can be forgiven. And the news is that today, in this very moment, you can be a new creation in Christ. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God reconciled the world and all of the sins of the world to himself. He didn't count sins against them, And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is the driving force behind the reconciliation of mankind. You can't do it just like that penny in that jar of water couldn't do it. You can't do it on your own. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good deeds to balance the scale. You can't pay money to God to get new life in Christ. The only way for reconciliation is through Jesus And Jesus alone. And that message rides directly in opposition to everything the world will tell you. The world wants you to believe there's more than one way to heaven. The world wants you to believe that you can wait till you're dead 
and then make a decision. The world wants you to believe that if you just put it off and you're a good person, you can bargain with God. That's not true. Scripture says, through Jesus and Jesus alone, there is no reconciliation when one side is willing to put the past behind them and the other side takes advantage of it. And when Christ has died for our sins on the cross and we continue to live in sin, that is not reconciliation. That is us looking at Jesus and saying, meh, to what he did on the cross for us. Reconciliation requires both sides to acknowledge the wrong and for the injured party to let go of the pain. And we have injured God with our sin. But God says, I've taken care of my part of reconciliation. I've died on the cross. I've forgiven your sins. I think of it no more. The pain is gone. I just love you. And now all that's left is for us to accept that we have done wrong and to say, I'm sorry. I love you, God. Thank you for your offer of friendship. And that reconciliation, it brings peace. It's not like the world's reconciliation. You know where you have a fight with someone and then you say, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry too. But then you never really talk to that person again. And the relationship just kind of fades. You know what I'm talking about? Have anybody else done that besides me? Okay. Um, Thank you for raising your hands because I was feeling a little awkward there. Okay. Um, That's not what God's reconciliation is like. God's reconciliation is not simply a cessation of hostilities or an uneasy truce. But it refers to a mending of a broken relationship that results in God justifying us. Justifying is a fancy theological term that means just as if I didn't sin. He justifies us. He doesn't, um, he doesn't um, just have a cessation of hostilities, but he says, I'm going to look at you as if you never sinned. And he's going to change us from his enemies to his friends from someone who's opposed to him to someone who is an heir to all of the things in heaven with Jesus. He does not simply make a bookkeeping alteration and drop charges against us, but he gives himself to us in friendship and love. And because of the extreme hostility we had towards God, this investment is required an unspeakable cost of God, the death of his son. But he gives willingly to us and simply says, I've done my part for reconciliation. Please, will you do your part? Because I love you. Christ's death, the death of God, requires a response. And there's only three responses. Okay? Accept reconciliation with God. Right? Um, There we are. Accept reconciliation with God. Reject reconciliation with God. Or choose to wait. But I want to tell you that choosing to wait is the same as rejecting it. Choosing to wait is the same as rejecting it. So in reality, there are two choices. Accept Christ's reconciliation and love and peace and become a new creation. Or reject it and live as an enemy of God. But it's not because God is your enemy. It's because you have chosen to be his enemy. Scripture continues, therefore... We are ambassadors for Christ. And God makes his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled. I'm paraphrasing this part right here. It was for our sake that God made Jesus to become sin, even though he was sinless, so that through Jesus our sins would be forgiven. 
God acts through those who have been reconciled. Those of you who have been forgiven and have lived in new life with Christ, we have the privilege and the joy and the responsibility to share that news with other people. Some of you might be here because you love Jesus already. Some of you might be here because someone invited you, and they invited you because they know the love of God, and they want you to experience the love of God as well. Some of you might have been dragged here kicking and screaming. We're glad you came. Some of you may have decided to come just because you felt like it, and this was the church closest to your house. We're glad you're here. Regardless of how you were invited by a friend, by a relative, by your, I just felt like it, all of that was God inviting you to come to church this morning. And you've heard from scriptures in several places that God loves you, that he sent his only son to die on the cross for your sins because he loves you, that he's not angry at you, that he absolutely loves you, and that he's not just forgiven you of your sins, But he's offering to restore you to newness, to give you the status of friend and child of God, to give you his joy and his peace and his protection and his love, which are endless. In fact, my daughter's children's Bible states it like this. God loves you with a never ceasing, never stopping, unbreaking, always and forever kind of love. That's the kind of love that God has for you this morning. And it doesn't always mean that life is easy. For those of you that love Jesus, is life always perfect? No. But is it always good? Yes. Because God is with us. Paul's life didn't get easier when he changed his name from Saul to Paul. In fact, his life got a lot harder. He got persecuted. He got thrown in jail. But you want to know what? Even when he was in jail, he said, I love God. And I'm going to take this opportunity to tell people about how great God is. God is faithful, and the word of the Lord says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus died and rose again, and now this morning, his hand is literally extended to you, saying, will you receive reconciliation? Can we be friends? I've forgiven everything. I just want to be friends with you. I just want to give you eternal life. I don't want you to perish. I want you to live with me. I've prepared a place for you. The only thing that remains is a response this morning. Will you accept Christ or will you reject Christ? The worship team is going to come up. Um, We're going to sing some praises in just a few minutes to Christ because he offered his life for ours so that we could have new life. He not only died, but he rose. And he's alive today. And right now, he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he's looking down on us and he's saying, I love all of you. So I want to take just a moment. You've heard the gospel, and this is not an emotional response. Please, please come forward. Lots of tears. This is simply you've heard the gospel. This is simply you have a choice to make. Does it make sense to you to live with Christ and be a new creation? And so I would ask this as the team is getting ready. Would you just all close your eyes for a moment, kids included? Respect the folks that are sitting around you. And I'm just going to ask you a question. Let's get real for a moment. Don't think about the person who's next to you. Don't think about the person that's behind you. God was preaching to them, but that's their worry. Think about your own life. Is there anyone here today who's heard the gospel and says, I think I want 
to be a new creation. I think I want new life in Christ. If that's you this morning, just shoot your hand up real quick and back down. Okay? I see your hands. Thank you. I see them. Yeah. Excellent. I see your hands. Thank you. All right. Now, if there's anyone in here today who has been living with Christ but says, I want to be renewed. I need more of this. Just shoot your hand up. Right. I see your hands. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Now, is there anyone in here today who, who's not been baptized but says, I love Jesus, and, and I think that's what people who love Jesus are supposed to do. Is there anyone in here who wants to be baptized this morning? All right. Thank you. All right. Lord, Lord, it's amazing to see you work, to create new life here in this very moment. I give you praise, Father, for saving folks this morning, for calling them to live with you and to follow you. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory for those new lives, Lord, in Christ and you. Just commit them to you in this very moment that you'd encourage them, that you'd speak to them in their heart right now. Confirm, yes, yes, I love you. I love you so much. Thank you for reaching your hand back out to mine. We give you all the glory, Jesus. You make life so great. We give you all the thanks and all the praise, Father, for what you're doing. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. Now, um, as we worship this morning... There's a few things that are going to happen, and, and this is, I'm just going to tell it to you so you know what's coming. We're going to sing a few songs, and it's a time of response. If you received Christ this morning, we'd love for you to come forward. I've got planter boxes on either side, okay? Um, and these planter boxes are filled with dirt, and they've been watered, um, okay? And in, uh, in the middle of these benches are little containers, and in these little containers are little seeds, Okay, um, If you've made a commitment to Christ today for the first time, or if you've made a commitment to say, I want to be renewed, or if you just have something you really want to pray about and put in God's hands, if you just want to talk to God in any way, shape, or form, come on up and take a seed and stick it in the earth and cover it with the dirt and then pray. We've got places you can kneel on the steps and um, in the front or even in your seat. And we've got communion elements available for you as well. A way in which you can say, Lord, um, I, uh, I recognize that you broke your body for me on the cross. And I recognize that your blood was spilled out for me on the cross. And, and I get that and I want that. And I recognize that this is you saying, I want reconciliation. And by taking these elements, you can say, yeah, I receive that reconciliation, and I want to follow you. I want to be renewed. I, I love you, and I trust you. And so as the band plays, we'll um, just open it up. Anybody who wants to come can come. And anybody who doesn't and wants to stay in their chair can stay in their chair. There's nothing more holy here than there is here. All right? Okay? So wherever you are is where God meets you, and that's the beauty of it, right? So as the team leads us, you can come. You can pray. You can worship. Um, and if you would like me to pray with you, I will. If you would like to be baptized, just come let me know and we can see if today is appropriate or next Sunday is appropriate.